If you have plot bunnies coming out of your plot holes, it's time for a writing break. We are discussing ISBNs, identifying deep fakes, and rewriting dead authors. Plus, I have a few belated gifts for you. The bookstore we are visiting today has a cafe, so let's head there first. We are at Little Tree Books and Coffee in Athens, Greece. It is a cloudy day with a high of 66 degrees Fahrenheit, 19 degrees Celsius, and a low of 51 degrees Fahrenheit, 11 degrees Celsius. A lovely day to visit a cafe bookstore. Little Tree Books and Coffee is the kind of place that I would visit day and night if I lived in Athens. With tan wood bookshelves packed with books, indoor and outdoor seating, and the occasional evening of live music. This space has a lived-in feel that sits just right with me. Let's place our order and discuss some publishing news. So what's it going to be today? Coffee and cake? Tea and tarts? Or Cabernet and canapes? After years of giving us glimpses of his bigotry, Scott Adams, the creator of the comic strip Dilbert, shined a bright spotlight on the hate in his heart when he went on a racist rant on YouTube. In the past, he has said that the short-lived TV version of Dilbert was canceled because he is white. Last year, he introduced his first black character since the comic strip began in 1999, a move that got him canceled from 77 newspapers because publishers realized that he created this character, quote, apparently to poke fun at woke culture and the LGBTQ community, end quote. Well, this month, Adams fully imploded after going on a racist rant on his YouTube channel. Among other things, he said that black people were a hate group and that white people should segregate themselves from black people. He also said that he used to identify as black because he wanted to be on a winning team, 
but that helping black people didn't pay off for him, so now he was going to identify as white again. Hundreds of newspapers have since announced that they will no longer run Dilbert. The decision seemed to be a no-brainer across the board. Removing Dilbert is not a matter of censorship or an attack on free speech. The simple truth is that newspapers do not have an obligation to fund racism. Cleveland's Plain Dealer newspaper, for example, said, quote, It was not a difficult decision. This is a decision based on the principles of this news organization and the community we serve. We are not a home for those who espouse racism. We certainly do not want to provide them with financial support. End quote. Racists are supporting Adams' statements, of course, but the general consensus seems to be that he did it to himself. In a recent Publishers Weekly article, Bill Kasdorf of Kasdorf and Associates, a consultancy focusing on accessibility, information architecture, and editorial and workflows, gives an interesting overview about what is being done to help publishers fight disinformation due to artificial intelligence. Quote, in addressing the issues of authenticity and provenance, the good news is significant work is being done and real progress is being made. Because the most critical problem is deep fakes in news, the work has been driven largely, but not exclusively, by the news media. Most of the focus so far has been on image authenticity, but the work is intended to apply to any media, be it textual, visual, video, or audio. What is being developed is basically a certificate of authenticity, tamper-proof or tamper-evident metadata that can confirm who created a media asset, who altered it over time, how it was altered, and whether the entity providing it is legitimate. The metadata is embedded in the content itself, and there are systems enabling recipients to access it, to document the asset's provenance, what has been done to it over time and by whom, and validate or invalidate its authenticity. This work is a notable example of industry collaboration and cooperation. It was clear from the outset that no one commercial entity could own the solution. Solutions need to be open, freely available, standardized, and global, end quote. This begs the question, will viewers check the metadata? The publishing story of the week is that publishers are rewriting British author Roald Dahl, who died in 1990. The author of children's books like Matilda, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Witches, and James and the Giant Peach, Dahl's works include words like fat and ugly, which are being written out of his works. Some publishers have said that they will release an unaltered classic collection alongside the new versions. I think we need to take this to the overthinking couch to mull it over. I was raised by strangers Five miles from here If I never see those people again I won't shed a tear Roald Dahl was openly anti-Semitic. His children's books were intentionally creepy, often mean, and sometimes cold and prickly. That's who he was, and that's how he wrote. He was also clear that he did not want a single word he wrote changed in his lifetime 
or thereafter. Deciding to alter his work now is a simple matter of wanting to continue to make money off of his books. In one case, they're changing enormously fat to enormous. But doesn't that still feed into the idea that being small is ideal and somehow better? There's no fixing Roald Dahl, and publishers and Dahl's estate know this. Once again, they just want to keep making money off of him. Why should readers have to read the original or revised works when there are many, many more children's books from which to choose? Here are the three main reasons these alterations bother me. First, the author said don't do it. Clearly and in no uncertain terms, quote, I've warned my publishers that if they later on so much as change a single comma in one of my books, they will never see another word from me. Never, ever. When I am gone, if that happens, then I'll wish mighty Thor knocks very hard on their heads with his mule near. Or I will send along the enormous crocodile to gobble them up. End quote. Second, tradition for tradition's sake is not my style. Just pick another book and let Dahl go. We don't have to drag everything with us into the future. And third, people who want to sanitize books act like there are no other worthwhile books from which to choose. As if new authors, like you, and new books, like yours, could not even begin to match up to the classics. Give me a break. Now it's time to take a stroll around the shop and check out an independent author. Sometimes the best thing is goodbye And you're so done and you've tried So my fake in that design Only thing to say is goodbye Today we're looking at the debut novel by M.A. Monin, Death in the Aegean, an intrepid traveler mystery. Quote, When private banker Stephanie Adams takes a much-needed vacation to the Greek Isles, vowing to embrace the opportunities as they come, instead of finding romance and adventure, she is suspected of murdering a bride who accused her deceased father of artifact theft. Unfortunately, the newlyweds' accusation also ties Stephanie, a former archaeology student, to the robbery of a newly discovered Minoan statue. With two high-profile crimes to solve, Greek police are under pressure, and both crimes lead straight to Stephanie. To avoid Greek prison and maintain her career, Stephanie must identify which of her fellow travelers is the real killer. Between the light-fingered backpacker with an eye on the bride's jewelry, the travel blogger whose career the dead woman ruined, a flirtatious German tourist who is after more than romance, and the long-suffering bridegroom, Stephanie's task won't be easy. Everyone, it seems, had a motive for wanting to see the last of Emma Keller. End quote. Nominated for an Agatha Award for Best First Novel, Death in the Aegean is available in ebook and paperback formats. Let's take it to the register and get one of the bookshop's decorative bags. Then we'll settle in for today's writing tip at an outside table, under the shade of the little tree that is this bookstore's namesake. 
First off, a few belated gifts. I intended to give you a little gift every episode this season, and I forgot to do so for two episodes, so you get three gifts today. These gifts have a theme, which is free books. Some organizations might give their members or subscribers free books every month as a perk. For example, Amazon gives its Prime members one free ebook a month, and the Wall Street Journal gives its subscribers one free ebook and one free audiobook every month. But those aren't exactly free, are they? Goodreads, however, has hundreds of free book giveaways every month, so gift number one is a link to that. Library Thing also gives away hundreds of paperbacks and ebooks every month through its Early Reviewers program. Gift number two is a link to that. Finally, there is the First Look Book Club, sponsored by Penguin Random House. This is a newsletter that emails you daily excerpts from newly published books. Quote, We'll bring you the best in mystery, suspense, romance, nonfiction, literary fiction, and more. It's like a matchmaking service for reading. Get a first look before you commit to a book. End quote. Gift number three is a link to sign up for that. Now for today's writing tip. This one is quick. The international standard book numbers on the back of books, more commonly called ISBNs. If you are self-publishing, you need to purchase your own ISBN. Self-publishers should not allow a publishing service, book packaging company, or anyone else to purchase the ISBN on their behalf. Some platforms offer to provide you with an ISBN claiming that it's free, although the price is worked into what you're already paying them. The reason you don't want to do this is because the ISBN will be issued to the organization, so you can't take the number with you if you want to publish the book elsewhere. Because ISBNs are not transferable, you don't want to buy them from another person. So where should you get them? If you are in the United States, you should purchase your ISBN from Bowker, whose website is myidentifiers.com, and there's a link to that in the show notes. We're reaching the end of our writing break, so we'll discuss ISBNs and copywriting in depth next week. The tip today is, if you are self-publishing, buy your own ISBN. Do not let anyone else get it for you. Until next week, remember, you deserved this break. If you would like us to visit your favorite independent bookstore, feature your favorite independent author, even if it's you, or discuss something you're overthinking about, please email me at podcast at writingbreak.com. Thank you for making space in your mind for the muse today. Writing Break is hosted by America's editor and produced by Alon Media with technical direction by Gus Aviles. Visit us at writingbreak.com or contact us at podcast at writingbreak.com.